The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or at lifehousechurch.org. So we're rerouting. We've been rerouting as a church for what, eight months? We've been rerouting as a community, as a nation, and now very personally, I'm rerouting. Uh, totally different plan having to join you on a video. Why? Because I just found out that I tested positive for COVID. And so I'm doing this video at home with my family. And uh, we're a little bit bummed that we're having to uh, isolate. But of course, we want, to, we want what's best for you. We want what's best for the church and for the community. I want to let you know right now I'm doing well. And uh, we are joining you live online. So grateful for our online church. Uh, with that, I just want to let you know that, uh, man, when, when everything starts rerouting, what is the point? Where are we going? And how do we make sure we don't miss God in the process of where we're going? And so that, that's the theme. That's the message this weekend. And uh, so since I can't be there, uh, we have an incredible team. You know that. Uh, we have an incredible pastoral team. And so I asked Pastor Jay if he would preach in my place. And so he's going to be preaching right now. Pastor Jay is an amazing uh, preacher. He's an amazing friend, and I'm so grateful that he's available to preach uh, for us. And so with that, I want to not only introduce him, but let you know, man, how do you not miss God in the process of where you're going? In the middle of all the rerouting, where it'd be easy to miss God, to get caught up in all the frustrations and challenges, how do you make sure that you don't miss God? And, and so with that, I want to introduce you to Pastor Jay. So what do you do when rerouting has got you reeling back and now you've got to respond? Ask yourself the question, then what? Um, obviously, our heart and our support goes out to the Grash family. Know that it pains them not to be here preaching because you guys know our pastor loves to preach, but he is with us. And so regardless of where you're joining us, regardless of how you're tuning in right now, Lifehouse, come on, can we show our love and our support to our pastor right now? Hey, we are with you, man. We love you, and we're praying God's best and blessed for you and your entire family. What better weekend than Miracle Offer? weekend than to believe for one, especially for the man of God that's leading this house. And so would you join me first as we pray? Father, I thank you. I thank you for, for your miracle working hand that is at work at Lifehouse, but Lord God, that's also available at work in the house of the Grash family. So Lord, I pray that you would restore, revitalize, refresh, and renew their strength. God, I pray for supernatural healing, speedy recovery, God, for the entire family. Lord, for us this weekend, I pray that you would meet us here, that we we would not miss what you're doing and what you are speaking in our hearts and in our minds in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we prayed, and then what? You're facing situations in your life, and now you're having to make a plan, and you put the plan in place, and then what? Those two words are so imperative in a season where we're constantly rerouting because those two words make up a great question. Then what? Because it forces us to think with the end and the outcome in mind rather than just the instant satisfaction that it brings. Because what good is it for us to make it to a place and as soon as we get there, it's not really where we want to be. In a consistent season where we're constantly having to turn around, we're constantly having to make changes, we're constantly having to reroute, it's imperative that we ask ourselves, then what? It's really good when we ask ourselves the question when it comes to finances, it comes to dating, okay, you're going to date that person, 
and then what? It's imperative that we ask ourselves, okay, you're gonna go to school, and then what? Well, I'm gonna go get a job. And then what? I'm gonna go buy a house. Then what? And as you continue to ask those questions, it forces you not to miss the most important and most valuable thing along in the journey. It's imperative that we know the why and the where we're going because what good is it for us to follow God's direction for our life and pursue the promises and the plans that God has for us and we pass God by in the process. It's almost as though God would give us the directions for, for the, the life that he has in store for you and I, and, and, and yet we miss the, the drive. We miss the romance and the relationship with him. Then what? Then what? It's easy for us to say, I'm going to go ahead and buy that new car. Then what? Oh, that's right. I didn't know I actually have to have a good driver's record in order for me to keep driving that car. Oh, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray and believe that I'm going to go in this direction, that my marriage is going to be awesome. Then what? Oh, that's right. I remember. I got to be a good partner. And I actually have to fold my laundry and pick up my socks, too. Then what? Oh, that's right, that house. I bought that house, and I, I completely missed out on the fact that I've got to be a good neighbor or else the HOA is going to go get me. Then what? This is where the people of Israel had found themselves. Moses was leading a group of individuals. God gave them really good directions, the Ten Commandments. I mean, good directions like don't kill anybody, don't steal, Honor your mother and father, things like that. These are really good directions. The only bad part was they were horrible drivers. And they just completely destroyed the directions that God had for them. And so now Moses is like, oh my gosh, I gotta go talk. I gotta go talk to God. I gotta go bring my request to God now. God, these are great directions. So he goes to Mount Sinai with his with his response, with his report, and says, These are really good directions. We have horrible driving skills, God. You need to you need to help us out here. And so God begins to talk to Moses about his promise that he made to the people of Israel 400 years ago. And we're going to pick up this story in Exodus chapter 33. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Leave this place, you and the people you brought up out of Egypt, and go up to the land I promised you on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You see, the faithfulness of God. I made a promise not just to Abraham's generation, not just to Isaac's generation, but to Jacob's too, saying, I will give this to your descendants. He says, I will send you an angel before you and drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites. Go up to the land flowing with milk and honey, but I will not go with you because you're a stiff-necked people, and I might just destroy you on the way. Look, we're going to go to Disney World, but you're not driving in the same car as me because you, you complain too much. You're a backseat kind of driver, and so I'm not going to go with you. So God makes this offer to the people of Israel. God makes this offer. He's talking to Moses. Here's my offer. I'm going to send you an angel. He's going to drive out the people from around you, the, the, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, all those individuals. He's, he's going to make sure that you guys get to where you need to go. He, he's going to make sure that you're going to make it to the land flowing with milk and honey. I mean, this is a pretty good offer. Let me ask you, how many of you would actually want to take God up on that offer? 
I'm going to give you the career you've been wanting. I'm going to give you the relationship you have been begging me for. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you that house. I'm going to give you that dream car. I'm going to give you that, that dream boss that you have been wanting. There's a caveat, though. And there was a caveat for Moses. I'm not going to go with you. How good is something that is good if God is not involved? Ask yourself that question. Mo Moses knew that, man, it can't be that good if God is not involved because there was something about Moses and his relationship with God and how God saw him and how he saw God, that he saw something far better than the good thing that, that was being offered, more than just the promises of God, more than just the victories that was going to be given to him by God. He, he knew something, and Exodus kind of lays out this relationship. He says this, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. He would come face to face with Moses and he would speak to him as one would speak to a friend. Moses knew that there was something more, something better, something that they couldn't afford to miss that was far greater than victories, far greater than purpose, far greater than the promises of God. He just wanted more of God. And so Moses responds to God and he says this in Exodus. Moses said to the Lord, you've been telling me, lead these people, but you've not let me know whom you will send with me. You've said, I know you by name and you have found favor with me. If you're pleased with me, teach me your ways so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. The Lord replied, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. He said, I just want to get to know you, God. It doesn't matter if I get to my destination, if along the journey I lose you. God, I, I want to know more about you so I can continue to find favor with you. And so God says, you know what, I'll go with you. I'll drive. My presence will go with you, and I will offer you rest. And Moses came to God saying, if your presence doesn't go, there's no point in me starting this movement. If you don't go with us, I'm not moving off this mountain. If your presence doesn't go, don't, don't send us out of here. In, in a season where probably more is being asked from you, and you feel like, what direction? I don't want to miss the right thing. What is the right thing for me to do? What's the right thing for me to say? I don't want to miss this point. When things are asking more from you, you need to tap into something that you need more of. And there was something here in the principle found in Exodus that we need to tap into, regardless of, of what you're experiencing, because more than anything in this world, when we are in a constant rerouting season, what you need more is rest. When your kids are clamoring for more attention, you've got none to give, and you don't want to miss the, the point of being a good parent, you need rest. When, when your job is asking for more hours, but you've got no more time in the day, what you need is more rest, and that rest only comes from one place is the presence of God and so I want to challenge us with this that we need to experience the extraordinary presence of God that's right that's what we need I'm sure every single one of us every single one of us could probably attest yeah I, I probably need a little more a little bit more rest I need to experience the rest that comes from God's presence but oftentimes we miss it 
We miss the entire thing. It's because you and I, we have all these good intentions. We have all the good directions, but we're not good at driving. And it drives us further and further into destruction. And it's all due to what biblical authors call sin. See, sin is any action, any thought, any intention that goes contrary to who God is. And this sin literally pushes us away from the very presence of God. Rather than being able to come face to face with God as one would speak to God as a friend, this sin causes us to look at God as our foe. And so we, we go completely opposite from the presence of God towards eternal judgment and ruin. And God saw that. And he loved us so much. And he knew our sin would push his presence away. He loved us so much, so he sent his physical representation, the physical presence of God through his son, Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, in scripture, Jesus was also referred to as Emmanuel, God with us. He knew that our sin would not allow us to be with God, and so therefore he sent his son to be with us. And he took on our shame. He took on our bad decisions. He took on the, the, the reaction and the response that caused us to live in, in detriment. And he took that upon his life. And in his death, he defeated death once and for all. So that those that would believe in Jesus by faith would be forgiven. Now, because we're forgiven, we can come face to face with God. Now we can talk to him as one would talk to a friend. Now he's back in the driver's seat. Now he's leading us towards the destination and we're not missing the point, which was his presence. But not just that, Jesus rose from the grave, defeating sin, death, and hell, so that those that would believe in Jesus by faith would have everlasting life. That's right. You see, what happens is this. God's spirit makes his home in our spirit. So the spirit that's a horrible driver, that has a horrible driving record, it gets kicked out. It gets booted out. And now God is at the helm. God is leading it. Now his spirit dwells in us. Now he, he goes with us in every direction. Before Monday happens, he's already with us. Before the, the diagnosis comes, he's already there. He's with us. His presence now follows us. That is the point of experience his presence that only comes through faith in Jesus. And so how do we experience the extraordinary? I want to give us some, some practical points this weekend. And, and the first is this. We need to desire the presence of God more than the promises or purposes of God. In the book of Exodus, this is what Moses said. He said, if your presence doesn't go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me from any or any of your people from all the other people from the face of this earth? Moses said, if you don't go with us, don't send us. If you don't go with us, what's going to differentiate? What's going to distinguish us from the rest of this world? What is that saying to you and I? You and I, we could have all the possessions in the world. He said, I, I could have all the promises. I could have all the victories. I could have all the fancy cars. I could have everything in my possession. But if I don't have your presence, God, I still have nothing. And the flip side is also true. I could have no possession in the world, but if I have the presence of God, I got everything I could possibly need and want. And so here's Moses. He is basking in the presence of God, and he asks God for something. He says this, now show me your glory. 
And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence, and I will have mercy on whom I'll have mercy, and I'll have compassion on whom I will have compassion. Let me ask you, are you chasing after the heart of God, or are you just wanting what's in his hand? Do we want God, the healer, or do we want just his healing? Because the truth is, when we pursue the presence of God, his promises and his purposes follow him. When we chase after his heart, everything that's in his hand comes with him. When we welcome the presence of God, God, you are my healer, guess what comes? Healing. When we welcome God, our provider, into our finances, guess what comes with him? His provision. But we have to desire more of what God has in store in his heart for us than what he has holding in his hands. Secondly is this, we need to experience God's presence. Exodus says this, it says, then the Lord came down into the cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed his name, the Lord. And he passed in front of Moses proclaiming, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. Moses bowed to the ground at once and worshiped. I don't want you to miss this. Because when you get into the presence of God, you experience something. So, so Moses literally, when he got into the presence of God, all of a sudden his perspective changed. You got to understand, he came back up to the Mount of Sinai because there was a problem. The people were acting crazy. They literally were running amok, and I got to go back up here to have God fix this mess. His perspective began to shift, and all of a sudden, the posture of his heart began to turn. I can tell you right now that your perspective and your posture is going to determine what presence you're in, what presence you're hanging out in. It's easy for us during a season like a pandemic, like a protest, to have our perspective shift and our posture shift too oftentimes, we've probably spent too much time in the presence of our pain, in the presence of our failure, and all of a sudden, it's one of two things that come out. It's either worship or worry. And all of a sudden, we're thinking, I guess my failure is going to define me. I guess this pain is not too, it's too big for God to heal. I guess this hurt is always going to be harboring over me. But check out what happens to Moses. All of a sudden, when he got into the presence of God, God began to proclaim who he was in the presence of Moses. He says, I'm abounding in love and faithfulness. I will forgive thousands. I will forgive rebellion. I will forgive sin. All of a sudden, he couldn't help but shift his perspective. All of a sudden, he couldn't help but magnify the view of God and minimize the view of his problems. There's an experience that happens when we tap into the very presence of God. Let me ask you, what is your posture right now? You may be, you may be in the presence 
of a really bad breakup right now. You may be in the presence of a really big lack right now. I invite you to invite the presence of God in the presence of your problems. Watch what happens. All of a sudden, if I start proclaiming, God, you are faithful. God, you are good. God, you are not limited just like you, you did with Moses. You will do with me. And all of a sudden, your perspective shifts from the, the posture of worrying because I look at a small God who can't do the big thing, all of a sudden now I see God for who he truly is in his presence. God, you are, you are limitless. You can do more than enough, more than I could ever think or imagine that only happens when we experience God in his presence and we just begin to worship him for who he is. Thirdly is this, we need to practice the presence of God. We need to practice the presence of God. Exodus says this, it says, when Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the covenant law in his hands, he was not aware that his face was radiant because he had spoken with the Lord. He didn't even know he was shining. He didn't even know he was glowing. He just went down after being in the presence of God. He was speaking with God. He made it a daily habit and practice being in the presence of God that comes with prayer. He was communing with God as one would talk to a friend. He, he would begin to talk to God about everything that was going on, all the wrongs that was happening, but all the rights that's what's going on with God. He began to talk to God as one would talk to a friend, and all of a sudden, God in his presence through prayer, he begins to pour himself out onto Moses. You see, when you start hanging out with someone long enough, you'll start picking up on their mannerism, and at times you start actually displaying them yourself. You start hanging out with a group of people, and all of a sudden, now you've got their accent. All of a sudden, now you've got their lingo. Now you've got their body language. All of those things take place the more you spend time with an individual. That's what happens when you spend time in the presence of God. The very thing that Moses was asking for, God, show me your glory. That was the very thing that was shining for Moses, was the glory of God. You see, what happens for us is too oftentimes we stop at, at, at amen, right? And so we, we have this relationship with God. We're spending time with you. I'm practicing the presence of God. And so I'm letting you know all the things that's going on with me, but allowing God to, to speak into my life. What happens is, God, God, I want a good marriage in Jesus' name. Amen. So we pray, and now we got to practice it. Go wash the dishes. God, I, I want to have good and godly kids in Jesus' name. Amen. Go teach them some Zoom lessons right now with a good and gentle and patient attitude. God, God, I, I, I want to have a better environment at my work. God, I, I want better coworkers and a better boss. In Jesus' name, amen. Go buy their coffee. Go take them out to lunch. We pray, and now we practice. Because when we begin to pray and practice the presence of God, God begins to pour. And the more God pours, the more we become more like him. And lastly is this. When we experience God, we reflect God. We reflect the glory of God. 
You see, Moses couldn't help but reflect the very thing that was in front of him. Moses couldn't help but reflect the glory of God because the glory of God was the very thing that surrounded him. You and I, if we desire to experience the presence of God, we've got to reflect the glory of God. We have to direct the glory of God, much like a mirror. But the only way that Moses was able to reflect and become a mirror of the glory and the goodness of God he had to move down from the mountain. You got to move down from that place. God, you're with me here, but I also believe that you'll, you'll be with me down here in the valley too. God, that you're the God of the mountain. You can speak to me here, but you can show up right here. And it's in the, it's in the valley moments where, where God wanted to reflect through Moses. There, there was an apostle by the name of Paul. In the New Testament, he wrote to the people of Corinth about we as Christ's followers, we also must become mirrors of God. And this is what he says in 2 Corinthians. He says, and all of us have had the veil removed so that we can be mirrors that brightly reflect the glory of the Lord. And as the spirit of the Lord works within us, we become more and more like him and reflect his glory even more. He said, the more you spend time with God, the more God begins to work inside of you, the more you reflect his goodness. The more I stand in the place where the presence of God is, the more I keep the presence of God in front of me, I can't help but reflect it. The more the goodness of God remains in front of me, you and I, we can't help but reflect it. So we got to remain in front. You got to remain in, in the place where the presence of God is dwelling. You got to allow the presence of God to remain in front of you. What, what good would a mirror be if it actually rebelled and refused to reflect what was in front of it? Well, what if instead of the standing mirror at your home, you had one of those mirrors that like elongates your body or makes it too wide? What would that look like on a really busy morning? You're going in there. You're trying to fix up your hair. And for me, I got a lot of gel I got to think about. But what would happen all of a sudden like that mirror is like all stretched out or all elongated out. And you're like, oh, oh my gosh. I'd probably throw that mirror in the trash can. I mean, that mirror is like only good if you're, you're a circus clown or you're trying to look ridiculous. But if you had a mirror that was not dingy, that was not dull, so I got kids, and so my mirrors consistently has a bunch of smudges because my three-year-old likes to eat, and then all of a sudden just, yeah, all over a mirror. And so there's a lot of smudges, and so there's times where I can't really see a clear reflection. And so Jesus removed the grum, removed all the, the smudges, says the veil was torn, so now you can reflect the glory of God. There is no more smudges. Now the goodness of God is not limited. Now the love of God is not limited. Now it's in front of you, and you can't help but reflect it. So for you right now, what are you reflecting? I can tell you right now, you'll reflect whatever's in front of you. Are you reflecting your fear? Are you reflecting your doubt? Are you reflecting your pain? I can assure you, don't miss this because the presence of God is here. The presence of God is with you and he's in front of you. You can reflect something better. You know, this weekend we, we've got a miracle offering. In the middle 
middle of a pandemic. It's crazy, I know. But it's also crazy to think our pastor has COVID too, but God is still good and his presence is still with us. And this miracle offering, literally that envelope or that virtual envelope for those tuning in online is, is kind of like a mirror. And it's almost as though whenever the, the glory of God shines, all of a sudden we can, we can tilt a little bit. And, and all of a sudden the, the, the beam of God's glory begins to shine. And it's almost like we direct and we reflect the glory of God. And, and boom, Convoy of Hope experienced it. And boom, A21 and, and people stuck in sex trafficking is now removed out of it. And, and boom, people that are experiencing poverty is now being provided for. They're experiencing the very presence and provision of God because you and I said, I'm ready to reflect. God, you've been good to me. You've, you've shown how faithful you are. And God, I just want to reflect that faithfulness. God, you've shown me how loving you are. I just want to reflect that love. Maybe today you're here with us this weekend and you're saying, Jay, I don't really, I don't really like what I'm reflecting. Can I just tell you right now that the only way that we can reflect the glory of God and reflect God himself is first through relationship with Jesus. Maybe this is your rerouting moment where you just stop and say, I'm ready to have a new driver in my car. I'm ready to make Jesus Christ the Lord of my life. And if that's you this weekend, would you let us know? I want you to text this number. I want you to text Jesus to 41411. Would you let us know about your decision today? And this weekend, as, as we're, we're praying and we're preparing and saying, God, would you, would you allow the miracle to move? To move me in a place where I step out in faith. I want to take a moment. I want to pray for us. Because I don't want to, I don't want to be a, a person that misses out on a miraculous move of God. I don't want to miss it because I know that God is in it. God, I thank you right now that all across our campuses that you are moving in their lives. And I pray right now that God, you would sh so shine your glory. You would so shine your goodness. You would so shine your generosity that we can't help but just reflect Reflect your goodness. Reflect your glory, God. So, Lord, with this miracle offering, I pray that you would, you would move us to action. You would move us from that mountain to a place of moving us in faith, in obedience. So, God, move in our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting LifehouseChurch.org.